When you own a business, you're challenged to put yourself out there all the time. How are you supposed to believe in your ability to actually do it? That's what we're diving into today. I'm going to help you believe in yourself. Welcome to Business Mindset Mastery. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. You can find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And today I want to tackle a conversation that I think every business owner and aspiring professional has to confront for themselves at one point in time or another. And that's the idea of confidence, belief in themselves, and the general sort of faith that you are capable of doing what it is you want to do and you're setting out to do. I think the entrepreneur space is pretty good at um, puffing us up every once in a while, right? We have the imagery, you are fierce, you are a badass, you are a boss. And if we capitalize it and add a couple of F-bombs, we are just putting exclamation points right on those statements. But at the end of the day, the puffed up versions of confidence don't actually make us feel confident on a regular everyday basis. It's kind of like what I was talking to you about personal development the other day. It's this idea that if we just keep focusing on being inspired and motivated, we need it every single day, like taking a shower because we run out of it and we have to do it again. So how do we, instead of getting our confidence, our belief in ourselves, from external sources because other people are telling us we're a badass and that we're boss and we're fierce and we're this and we're that. How do we actually start to believe in it ourselves? And I think there's a couple of things in mind that I can highlight for you to think about and to examine in your own lives and in your own businesses. I want to sort of add to this conversation the caveat that I actually can't get you to believe in yourself by the end of this podcast episode. I'm not telling you that I think I can, but I do think I can give you some strategies that if you work on them consistently, you can use these lessons from this podcast episode to believe in yourself more. And the first thing is probably the hardest part of this. And that's the idea that we have to hold accountability with ourselves. We have to do a gut check around how much we're showing up, how much work we're actually doing, how big of a space we've allowed ourselves to take, how much we've put ourselves out there. Because I think what ends up happening sometimes, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience, and you know, my guess is there's at least one listener or two on my show who has been the recipient of me saying, you've got this. And then you're like, what do you mean I've got this? You barely know me. How do you know I have this? I'm a hot mess. Like, what do you know? But I do think that we as online business owners and um, people engaging in social media and building communities and whatnot, I do think we have 
this tendency to try to like puff up people we barely know. And then as a result, we puff ourselves up with that same kind of imagery. So the first thing is the hardest thing is to do a gut check. Like how much have we actually been doing and how much have we actually been accomplishing? And are we showing up for ourselves? Because if we don't believe in ourselves because we've been procrastinating, because we said we were going to do X and we never did it, because we challenged ourselves to do Y and we just skipped it on our to-do list, then it's kind of a natural consequence that we're not going to have so much faith in ourselves. And who are we to expect that we're going to believe in ourselves and have confidence in ourselves if we're not actually doing the work? If we're not actually showing up, we shouldn't be believing in ourselves. The natural consequence of not showing up is going to be self-doubt. So part of believing in ourselves, part of showing up with confidence is to make darn sure we're doing the work, to make darn sure that we're showing people who we are, what we do and how we serve, that we're offering opportunities for engagement, we're opening the door and we're asking for the sale, but that we're actually showing up as the experts and the skills and products we're providing. Because if we're not doing that, of course we don't feel particularly confident. That makes a lot of sense to me. So the first thing we have to do is hold accountability with how much work we're actually doing versus how many steps are we actually skipping. And if we answer that question directly and honestly, that usually can guide the rest of the conversation. Because so much of the entrepreneur space, when I first entered it, everybody wanted to talk about impossible syndrome. And I've kind of been quoted recently as saying like, God help me, may I never have to do another training on imposter syndrome. And that's because I think that again, and you've heard me talk about this in my recent episodes about tackling anxiety and depression as business owners. But I think the entrepreneur space likes to add these puffed up and made up syndromes to uh, real struggles and to real suffering because it feels better to say imposter syndrome than to say, I don't really like myself very much. And to tackle that and to actually do that work and have that hard conversation. But, you know, so much of imposter syndrome exists, I think, because the barrier of entry is so low in the online business space. There's not a lot of overhead. You don't need a lot of financial runway. People are telling you that you can um, make businesses on your passions, that you can just like, you know, create these huge followings and people will want to buy from you. And they make it so sounds so simple. And sometimes it really is that simple, but you don't get your reps in. So you create this product or service that you actually have no business doing or selling because you actually haven't done the work yet. So the one thing that I always say to people is when you are struggling with believing in yourself, the first thing you want to do is you want to make gosh darn sure you're doing the work and you're showing up. And then the next thing is asking yourself, am I really actually an imposter? Am I selling something that's a little bit shinier than it actually is? Am I putting a gilded kind of coat on something that's a little tarnished? Am I legitimate? Have I got my reps in? Do I have experience? And do I really have expertise? Now, if you're sitting on like 10 years of expertise, 
and you're still asking yourself that question, then yeah, you got some mindset work to do because the evidence doesn't speak to a lack of expertise. So there's always going to be the, am I good enough? Have I done enough um, type of argument? And that's a little bit different. What I actually want you to do is look at the number of people you've helped with the service you're trying to sell. Look at how many years you've actually been doing this, how much money you have invested in learning this particular skill and gaining this expertise. How much time of yours have you invested in learning this particular skill and gaining this expertise so that you can do an honest to goodness gut check on whether or not the evidence supports the idea that you might be an imposter. And maybe you're one of those people who, you know, 10 years experience isn't enough enough, you're going to expect 15. And once you get 15, you're going to expect 20. That's the mindset hurdle that you and I can tackle together. I hope you all, as you're listening, can tell the difference, that that's not what I'm talking about. I understand that people, you know, are going to wonder and worry whether or not they're good enough, no matter how many times they've helped people with a transformation, no matter how many times they've solved a problem. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is reassuring ourselves with specific measurable visible evidence that we are entitled to be taking up the space that we're taking up to do the gut check. Have we gotten our reps in? Are we experienced in what it is we're trying to sell? Because if not, it doesn't even mean we're an imposter. We are only an imposter if we are selling something that's a puffed up version of our of our experience. And in which case we're frauds. It's not even an imposter. We're pretending to be somebody and we're committing fraud. Because then the next thing is recognizing that if you're new on scene, if you have spent all of this time doing, you know, um, hotel restaurant management, and suddenly you're um, offering man uh, marketing something and you've never done marketing before, but you gained a lot of experience through your hotel restaurant management stuff, then yeah, you're, you're not going to have your reps in, but maybe you're a newbie because you've taken some classes and you've done some coursework and you've helped a couple of people on the side. But being new to the industry is different than being an imposter. So long as you represent yourself where you're at accurately. So that's the first thing, because what we want to lean on in order to create confidence, in order to help you believe in yourself, we want to create specific, measurable, visible proof positive. That way, we're not relying on a diatribe. We're not relying on some puffed up inspirational quote or a meme. We're looking at the evidence and the evidence is suggesting that you are capable of doing what you want to do. Maybe the evidence is going to suggest that you need some help and you need to hire some, you know, somebody with more information or you need to get a new perspective on it, but that you yourself have the requirements necessary to legally be offering what you're offering. Because if you can tackle that, I think you're going to get ahead of it, you know, way faster. And then, you know, the next thing I, one of the things I like always like to have people pay attention to is the idea that sometimes we move to self-doubt when a particular part of a project gets really hard. And <laughs> the example I have is so, it's so typically me. 
So when I started um, this online venture of mine, I already had a website for my brick and mortar um, therapy practice. And I had hired somebody to do that. It was one of those quick and easy kind of bookmark pages. Um, Nothing really fancy. Um, Excuse me. And then when I joined the online space, everybody was talking about doing it yourself and how you want control over your own website because you're going to want to be able to make changes and you need to understand how to design your own website and it's really important that you do it yourself so that you know how it all works and then over time as your business grows you can grow with it. And so I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. Um, I bought WordPress. <laughs> I bought my theme for WordPress. I took my computer to Starbucks. I had my big old venti coffee. And I opened up WordPress for the first time with my trusty Amazon, how to build a WordPress book. And I promptly burst into tears, probably before I even finished the first three pages of chapter one of the damn book, because I am not somebody who can design a website. That is not in my skill set. I'm not a graphic designer. I I write pretty good copy. I can do a good blog post, but I have no idea like what goes into a website. I had no business doing that. I didn't even know enough to be dangerous. But because I was told I had to do it myself, I tried. And then I let the experts handle it because I know myself and I know I'm not tech savvy and I know it's not my best, like my best, um, version of me. So why would I try to do those things? And that's really the gut check I think that you guys have to do with yourself to make gosh darn sure you're not trying to show up in an area that's so far outside your expertise, but to own it unapologetically when you do show up with expertise because that's a really important part of believing in yourself and creating a sense of confidence and a can-do attitude for what it is you're doing. One of the, and you've heard me talk about this, but one of my biggest struggles I think with the human experience is that we are given so much permission to um, be critical of ourselves. You know, this kind of came up a little bit when we were talking about anxiety that, you know, people um, get a little bit socially rewarded for anxiety because they're perfectionists, because they want things to be better and they're detail oriented. So even though they're making themselves crazy, they get positive attention for it. I think, you know, I think the same is true here is that it's it's very easy to to create that, um, just that, that false sense of connection and that um, a, a lack of sort of genuine recognition for yourself. So what I really want you guys thinking about today is, you know, how do you, um, how do you lean into being proud of yourself? How do you lean into um, recognizing and owning when you've actually accomplished something? Because I don't think we give ourselves permission to be proud of ourselves. We're so allowed to be critical. We're so allowed to say not good enough. Oh, I could have done that better. Oh, I could have tried this. I should have done this. But I don't think with equal measure, we give ourselves permission to be proud where we say, ah, man, I nailed that. Because I don't think, you know, we're, we're so worried about being braggadocious, right? We're so worried about being snooty and snotty that we never say, you know what, that was really kind of hard, or that was a little bit tricky, and I really nailed it, or this person was really hurting. And after working with me, they were hurting a little bit less. 
I'm so proud of myself for that. Like, look at what I've accomplished for myself. I don't think we do that. So one of the things that I, you know, is a concrete exercise, because it's so important to me that I increase um, the actions you guys can take in this podcast. And I am mindful and working really hard to create specific steps, not just so that the listener of whatever question I'm submitting has an answer and direction, but for all listeners. Um, and this is something you can take immediate action on, um, either in like an Evernote or just in the notes section on your phone or tablet or good old-fashioned pen and paper, but to make a list of the things that you feel proud of, that you feel like you've done well, a list of your talents and your skills, how people have come to trust you, how people have come to rely on your expertise, the things you've done well, the challenges you've taken on, because I think we give ourselves way more permission to be critical than to be proud. And what we actually have to do, if we're going to be proud of ourselves, if we're going to believe in ourselves, we need to create the evidence library of that so that we're not just puffed up and saying, you can do this, you got this, go, 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 rather than like, hey, remember at the last time at such and such, it was kind of hard and it was kind of this, like you had it, you didn't quite know how to figure it out, but you knew who to ask the right question to. So that way, even when you're trying something new, you have this library of resources, of specific, measurable, visible actions things that you have done that have proven your capability, that have shown what you're capable of so that you can remind yourself and see all of the reasons that actually physically, visibly, measurably exist for why you should believe in yourself, why you should see your talent, why it might actually be possible for you to build your business on your own terms. And then the next part of this is not just looking at the evidence and saying, I can do this. The second part of this is almost like a two-pronged fork a little bit because we have to figure out a way for you to argue back and challenge the limiting beliefs that are sort of coming at you, right? Some of these are simply going to be self-imposed, like, oh, I've never been good at this. I have a friend who always gives me crap for giving the tech example as something I'm never Never good at because, you know, there's tech that I've clearly been able to handle and master as an online business owner. But it's this idea that we're always going to be chasing some limiting belief or some limiting story. And the first thing we're going to want to do is create a library of evidence that, you know, counteracts that, that talks back to that. But then the next thing is to look at why are we so critical? Sometimes we're critical with ourselves. Sometimes it's easier to doubt ourselves because it's kind of the prevent defense. If I say out loud, oh, I don't think I could do this or, oh, I don't think this is for me or I don't know about this. You know, by the way, 50% of all small businesses fail in the first year. There's no way of knowing whether or not I'm going to be one of them. In fact, I probably will. You know, all of that evidence, you know, sometimes it's just for us and it's just for show because if we say it first, we tell ourselves a story and won't hurt so much if it doesn't work out and we don't get it because we're just so afraid to be unapologetically ambitious about our dream that it's easier to say, I don't think I can or because we're afraid of what people will think or we're worried about the hater comments. 
or fill in the blank. I think there's a, a lot of different reasons why we um, are comfortable and safe in doubting ourselves versus feeling comfortable and safe and confident and not doubting ourselves and leaning into our abilities and leaning into our capabilities. Sometimes, my friends, that's absolutely going to be self-imposed, but other times... And this is where the real work needs to happen. And this is where those conversations kind of stop and get radio silent in a lot of the mindset discussions about this, because sometimes we have to confront the voices of our past. The people in our lives who said, no, I don't think you can, or, you know, threw some shade our way or told us we couldn't. Sometimes it's our parents, sometimes it's close friends, but our formative experiences of people telling us who we are, sometimes those stories really do stick. And parents who didn't show up for us, emotionally unavailable parents who only showed up sometimes or part-time, and people who, you know, live childhoods, you know, connected to trauma and all of that, A lot of the self-limiting beliefs start and root in our childhood and our early adult experiences. So when you're struggling with a limiting belief, when you're struggling with self-doubt and a lack of confidence, you have to challenge the source of the story to look at any abuse you might have gone through, any disrespect you might have had any emotional experience of yours, any sort of work in your childhood that you haven't done, any work on your childhood, I should have said, that you haven't done, that you have to go back and do. So sometimes it's, you know, going all the way back to elementary school, but sometimes you're just going to high school or early college. But looking at who told you you couldn't or who, based on how they treated you, implied that you couldn't. And how do you, as an adult, looking to own your own business now, confront that story and narrative and cease to own it? Because it's someone else's opinion of you. It's somebody else's hard time because, you know, hurt people hurt people, right? But those times when it's on repeat and we receive that over and over again as kids and as young adults, we start to believe that those stories are true. Because if my father thinks that about me, it must be true. If my mother thinks that about me, it must be true. If my brother did this and my parents never said anything, then this limiting belief of me like must be true. We create these um, limiting beliefs of who we are and what we're capable of in such a um, automatic body memory kind of way. And then um, what happens for a lot of people is they refer to it kind of in this laissez-faire way. It's like, oh yeah, that was my childhood, my mom XYZ and my dad ABC, but you know, I got past it or it's what informed me of who I am today. But we don't actually look at and attack the messaging and the lessons and the stories we've told ourselves as a result of our childhood. It is super 
important that we do that. And if that's work that, you know, you're struggling to do in a journal entry or just in your own thought exercise, that would be a really good place to maybe do a little, um, you know, sort of concerted effort in therapy or to talk to a coach about, you know, I'm happy to help people unpack that myself. But like, it's time to do that work and to challenge that story because someone else's opinion of you doesn't have to become your opinion of yourself. And just because somebody treats you a certain way doesn't even mean that they have that opinion of you because again, hurt people hurt people. So looking at the messaging, looking at your personal experience and being willing to write a new ending to that, right? We talked about that last week. So looking at that conversation and how you move through that conversation and how you have that conversation to really challenge the original stories you had about yourself so you can rewrite a new ending. Because I think what ends up happening for a lot of the business owners I encounter in the space now is they're just running away from their past. They're creating new identities, they're building their businesses, and they're just like they're leaving their past in their past. But if they're not confronting it, then it's kind of like this emotional baggage that it becomes a backpack that they're bringing with them throughout every new scenario. And it's always going to rear its ugly head when you're about to try something new, take a chance or dare a little bit more greatly, right? So we want to be able to look at where did I get this message? Do I believe this message? If I do, why? What is the evidence that supports this? But then the other piece, and this is hard, my friends, this is my therapy clients used to kind of rail at me when I made them do this, but to look at the source. Because so often, if it's our parents, we don't want to say like, you know, my dad was abusive or my mom, you know, uh, abandoned me when I was really young or, you know, fill in the blank for whatever your personal story is. It's so much easier to say, yeah, it was kind of hard, but I figured it out. Yeah, it wasn't so fun, but I found my way with it. Rather than actually say, this person treated me in a way that was less than I deserved. And as a result, I came to think these thoughts and feelings, but they're not mine. I don't have to own them. I can rewrite the story. I don't believe them. I can rewrite my ending. The evidence doesn't support it, but you can start to challenge those stories. But it doesn't happen until you're brave enough and willing enough to do that work and to really unpack that. Because that emotional baggage, it's so tempting to just keep packed. And initially, it feels easier for us to just bring it around wherever we go rather than unpack it once and for all and call both bullshit on it and say like, no, like this was somebody who was limited in their ability to love me and to take care of me. As a result, I didn't believe the best story of myself, but no, that is not the story I'm choosing to take about myself going forward. That kind of conversation is way too hard to have in a hypothetical. And I, and if you're a little lost in the conversation, I totally don't blame you, but you know, the crux of the matter here is what I'm really trying to get you to do is ask yourself who Whose voice are you really hearing in those moments of self-doubt and when the inner critic takes over? Do you really, um, is it you who's doubting yourself or are you parroting someone else's belief or your interpretation of what someone else's belief of you might be? But believing in ourselves, holding ourselves with confidence, it starts with a choice.
It starts with being willing to be confident with all of the interpretations that it holds, with all of the ways that the public might respond, but to recognize that when we hold ourselves a little bit higher and we hold our backs a little bit straighter, we get closer to where we want to be and less time. Again, this is a tricky conversation to try to have as a single solitary podcast episode. If I was in the course creating business right now, this would probably be a course. Um, but um, it's it's not how I roll, right? Um, I It's the work that I do one-on-one. So if you're kind of stuck in your past and you can see how your past is affecting your business, you know, reach out to me over at heather at choose to have it all.com or if you have a specific question that um, you're okay with being made public and you don't need as much privacy about and you'd like to ask it for me to have on the show, I invite you to do that as well at the same address. You can always find me there. Um, I hope I've given you something to think about or a new tip or tool or strategy that you can apply to your regular every day today. I'm certainly working hard to make this an actionable show for you. And I, I really thank you for having these hard conversations with me. Thank you so much for today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.